When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on family members who would like to visit but have differing views on safety precautions, the implications of whistling while around others, wording baby shower invitations when you're not actually going to be gathering, and how to introduce an old boyfriend. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question of the week is about changing gifting traditions. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript where we discuss the afternoon tea table, courtesy of Emily Post's 1922 edition. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I feel like I hear, looks like we made it, playing in the background after last week. We made it through the launch. We made it through Thanksgiving. At least we hope we have. It's only Wednesday. Lizzie Post, do you often hear 70s rock anthems in your mind? <laughs> I'm just saying I watch way too much television and movies. Like, there is always a soundtrack somewhere in the background. But we did make it. it and I'm, I'm assuming I'm projecting into the future and saying I feel relaxed. I feel at ease. The Thanksgiving holiday is behind us. And <laughs> life is good, right? I think, I think so. I hope so. Let's see what happens when we get there. Um, we hope that all of you enjoyed your thanksgivings that you were able to connect in ways and that you were able to just eat a lot of really good food that's my favorite thing for sure (laughs) it is so great and one of the great things about thanksgiving is the leftovers (laughs) that is very true i feel like this week is is all about kind of like well i guess it is about getting back to work if we're if we're honest about it but i also feel like there's just such this wonderful sigh of like Kick your feet up and kind of like sink in for the weekend before you you kind of dive into what I now really think of as like the holiday season, like the hustle and bustle, I feel like starts now, maybe not so much this year, but this is where I'm starting to send all those text messages like, hey, remind me about that store you really love or hey, you know, reaching out to find out if there's a local spot that, you know, you'd love for an elf to maybe send something to you this holiday. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, those those little kind of uh, buzzy sparks are always around this time of year, which is really, really fun. Even just in the lead up to New Year's. You know what I mean? It's like we're, we're closing it out in the Northeast. It's getting cold. We got snow on the ground. It's 
It's just, it's good. It's, this is a good time of year. But I've got this little feeling that we might be particularly celebrating the end of 2020 this year. <laughs> just to look ahead a couple of holidays. <laughs> that is so true. I picture many a celebratory kind of New Year's card in many a fashion, we'll say, in many a fashion, I think, kicking what we didn't like about 2020 to the curb. Well, and I had entered this podcast sort of d- determined to um, have a relaxed feel and vibe. And the second we start talking about post-Thanksgiving, I-, I start to remember a conversation I had with Anisha when she mm. saw me taking out our Diwali decorations. Oh, yeah. This was so cute. And <laughs> they came out of the holiday decorations boxes up in storage. And sure enough, there were some stockings and some other uh, ornaments that presented themselves as we were getting out the Diwali stuff (laughs) and Anisha started to get really excited and I had to explain to her that no it wasn't until the day after Thanksgiving that we were allowed to even think about these things but we have a deadline with um, a few boxes (laughs) I like that I'm I'm with you I tend to be more of a I try to take the holidays that I celebrate in the chronological order that they come in but I won't lie I love seeing my neighbors start to put out decorations and um, and start to to get festive for the season in all the different ways that they do and it's it's fun it is it is brightening my spirit I will say and it's been a nice continuation from from I guess Thanksgiving <laughs> as the days get shorter the cheer gets longer <laughs> and we need it we deserve it uh, this year for sure well i'm guessing you're going to tell me that we need to get to some questions i think we should let's do it Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom, and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled Distance Dilemma. Dear Lizzie and Dan, happiest of holidays to the extended post clan and a special thank you to the two of you. Awesome etiquette has brought solace and laughter during this difficult year. Thank you. I have listened to your thoughtful comments as you helped others navigate the multitude of changes we have faced. Now I have my own quandary. I live with my mother who is 90-ish, her words. We have been physically isolated since March. We have been very careful. The hardest part is helping to keep her socially close to extended family and friends. A few weeks ago, my brother, who lives in another state, was in the area and wanted to visit. He does not believe in wearing a mask and has not and will not as he travels. We discussed a distanced visit. I was imagining how Dan's family does this. His answer was, if he could not hug mom, he would not come. There were many tears here, but mom remained firm in her insistence on distance. Now it is the holidays and the same request has come again. I do not want to step in, but fear I must because of the grief this is causing my mom. She misses him terribly. My brother is a good deal older and I want to handle this well so as not to make him feel guilty. My sweet mother is old and this stress is taking a toll on her health. We are trying some FaceTime calls to start. Do you have any ideas or sample scripts so that I can be kind and clear? Thank you for all that you do. Warm wishes. The Baby Sister. Baby Sister, thank you for the question. And please give our best to your mother. I am um, just delighted to hear her description of herself as 90s-ish. Emily Post, you and she should both know, was successful in obfuscating her age later in life. (laughs) Was so successful at it that... There was even some question among biographers as to exactly how old she was. But anyway, so she is well in in step with a – I would consider it a a great and honored tradition. (laughs) In thinking about your current situation, a couple of things come to mind. And we've heard about a number of different versions of this where – people's social distance protocols aren't in alignment and how you manage or handle that. And it's it's not easy. And at the same time, I think that you're in a pretty good situation because your mother is pretty clear about what her standards, limits, boundaries are. And to my mind, that makes your job one of being a really clear communicator as to what those are so that both you and your brother can make good choices and have as respectful a conversation between the two of you as is possible if there are some some real fundamental disagreements about the behavior that might not be things that you can resolve. Now, you've asked for some sample scripts, and I want to 
offer a couple and bounce that back to my cousin <laughs> to help with. But I also want to go over sort of some big picture thinking about the communication itself that I think is really important. I think will be helpful. And my first thought in that regard is that the more you can do to keep this about um, exposure and the less you can make it about somebody's views about wearing masks or public health, the easier I think it's going to be. And if you can, Dan, I think that is incredibly smart advice. I don't mean to interrupt just to congratulate you on great advice, but I really, really do think that that is the key part of this. Absolutely. And there's going to be, I can only imagine a lot of back and forth. We can't anticipate all of it. But if you can really keep that in your mind, that what you're really wanting to talk to him about is what your mother's standards and limits are and mm-hmm. how his behavior, his choices relate to that, that it's not about the reasons he's making those choices or um, why he does or doesn't wear a mask. But it's really about the fact that your mother is watching her exposure and these are the things she's looking for. And mm-hmm. once that's... Well, these are the things she's comfortable with. Exactly. And once that's in place, then you can also have a discussion about things like how difficult it is for her as well as him. Um, mm-hmm. But it's 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 really about the interaction. With the emotional. It's yeah. not about where those choices are coming from, which is, I think, a potentially much more difficult conversation. I love the fact that you kind of you, you came in in the middle there with clear, clear, clear yeah. communication. <laughs> and I think that that even uh, starts with with the, the order in, in which you might choose to present things. I love the fact that you've told us that you're trying some FaceTime calls to start some video chats to start. And I think that that is a really good way for for your brother to be able to literally see your mother. And sometimes even that. I feel like can can help to pacify a little bit because otherwise, you know, without the visual, it it does feel even more like a barrier to someone, you know, that you are really close to. So I think leading with the what are the things we can do that mom feels safe doing, you know, hey, brother, mom feels really safe doing FaceTime calls. And that's what she's she's asking me to set up with folks and and she did include you in that group. I would love to set up a FaceTime call with you and mom. If he pushes back and says, well, I really want to come visit, but I'm only going to come if I get to hug her. Then you say, well, you know, mom and I have talked about that and, and she's talked about it, you know, directly to you. And, and that's not what she's comfortable with right now. So we'd love to make sure you guys are connecting on FaceTime so that you guys do get to connect the way she feels comfortable. And I, just like Dan said, you, you keep the focus on mom's boundaries, mom's comfort levels and supporting those. And I even think, even though you live with mom and you're very much so impacted, sometimes with siblings, it's a little easier to hear that, that it's, it's mom's desire as opposed to like whole household. I don't know how your house works, but sometimes in some houses that, that tends to be, sort of a a bigger, the matriarchs asking for something is kind of, I think, heavier sometimes. Often easier to hear. The other thought that I was having, and this would be a discussion that you might have with your mother first, is are there versions of a visit that she could accept? Um, If your brother wasn't willing to wear a mask all the time when he travels, would he be willing to, for the sake of seeing your mother, doing a period of quarantine for 10 or 14 days where – and I I use the word quarantine. I don't want to be inaccurate in my language, but I'm thinking of that as a time period where you would observe 
stricter social distancing. Maybe you wouldn't see people or maybe you would wear a mask. If there were things that would make your mother feel comfortable that your brother could do to facilitate a visit, being really clear with her, figuring out what those are and communicating them to your brother, not as a, a request for him to change his behavior broadly, but as a, a an agreement that maybe he could sign on to in order to engage with your mother. And that's been an approach that's worked for other people. Oh, I usually don't worry about social distancing at gatherings or get togethers. Oh, but I'm going to these people's house and they do. So I'll do it for their sake to accommodate them in this situation. And Sometimes it's not necessarily about changing your perspective or your views, but making an accommodation so that you can interact with somebody else. And that might be another type of approach that could work with your brother. The baby sister, we hope that these sample scripts and and suggestions help and that you and your mom and brother do get to find safe ways to connect that you can all feel good about. But once the young adults understand that their parents are people, people with habits, moves and a right to live their own life. And when the parents realize how important it is for the young adults to manage their own affairs, then they can deal with each other as mutually respecting individuals. And their relationships will be healthier and happier. Our next question is titled Whistling and Weeping. Good morning. I asked my husband not to whistle or sing in the room where my daughter was, who had suffered a very painful loss a moment ago. I explained that it seemed like a lack of empathy. Is this correct? Thanks a lot. Anonymous. This is actually spelled anonymous, which is is really, really cute. And it reminds me of your mouncement mouncement that your dad does for announcement, announcement. (laughs) Mousement, mouncement. Anyway, sorry, tangent. This is a really interesting question. It it probably isn't the moment for, uh, yes, I, I guess casual or spirited whistling, humming. But I, I, you know, I hesitate. It's like how aware is the other person that someone just experienced terrible news? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't fault someone who just walked into a room doing that not knowing what was going on. But typically you would catch yourself and say, oh, my goodness, what's wrong? Or is everything all right? And then you'd hear, no, everything is not all right and go into sympathy mode, I would assume. Um, That being said, I know for some people whistling can develop into such a habit that you're very unaware that you're doing it. And so I would would put that out there also and maybe a gentle call to attention of, honey, maybe not whistling right now, you know, might be a good – a good reminder, a gentle reminder. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about the the big picture etiquette of this also. Yeah. That, that there was the, the part of your answer where you said, I assume that, you know, if you, as you noticed <laughs> that somebody was in distress or emotionally off in some way that you would mm-hmm. connect with that and you would naturally modify your behavior to respond to that. Um, to me, that's the, that's the heart of the etiquette here. And yeah. I really appreciate your vision that, you know, a, a, a parent might miss that a kid was going through something depending on what exactly it was or how would it impacted them. Yeah, too. How old the kids are. Yeah. Did they tear a favorite drawing and that just really like affected them somehow or was it something 
that dad the might be more died. clued into. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I would be sympathetic to the fathers here, maybe or maybe not picking up on those cues in the same way or recognizing it. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked your idea, Lizzie, of that gentle reminder for him, but that there is a, like a, a baseline etiquette here that I do think is something that in the spirit of children are people is worth noticing and and affirming that if somebody yeah. is struggling with something that a really blase casual attitude can add to that hurt can make someone feel not seen and not connected with you know it's true dan empathy is so fundamental to good etiquette and yet at the same time it, it can be that big that you can miss it you know what i mean and it's or you can be that familiar with someone or you can be in such a f- familiar circumstance, your own house walking around on a, on a typical Saturday afternoon that sometimes, you know, the, the, the big change, the big sort of emotional mood shift in the room, you can miss it sometimes. Empathy is – it's not a rule that you can apply. It's a skill that you right. cultivate over time. And the kind of conversation that you're having with your husband is exactly the kind of thing that's going to help cultivate that capacity and I think is really worthwhile. I do think that if you're going to to point out to someone that they might have missed a moment or not read the room, that sort of a thing, that you also want to do that gently and and with that uh, grain of salt that says I'm you know I'm, I'm sure you're not meaning to do this on purpose, not that accusatory tone that's like how on earth could you miss this? Anani Mouse, I think this is going to be our new name for every anonymous person who writes in. I want to thank you for asking this question, and we also want to send our sympathies to your daughter. But most of all, Johnny has to make himself remember, so his friends won't have to remind him all the time. Then he'll start really being considerate of others. How about you? Do you ever forget to be considerate? This question is about baby shower suggestions. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. Good morning. Do you have any suggestions for a baby shower invitation wording for either, number one, a shower by mail? Is it appropriate to add the registry address on the invitation? Or should a separate card be enclosed? Or two, a virtual Zoom shower announcement? Any recommendations for wording? Thank you very much for any input you may provide during this very unusual time. Sincerely, Margaret. Margaret, thank you for the question and good work thinking about hosting well. This is certainly a fundamental part of good etiquette. The question about a a mailed invitation, where to include the registry, I really like your idea of having the registry information on a separate little insert. We often say it's best to keep any direction about gifts off the invitation itself. So if you've got the wherewithal to do it. Um, Having that on a separate little insert, I think it's a great way to proceed. There was some other wording that wasn't in your question that I think sometimes might come to mind as I was thinking about sample wording. It did for me. And I was thinking about calling it a a socially distanced shower or a social distance shower. And that left too much room for the possibility of it being an in-person event with social distancing guidelines in place. Yeah. I would toggle back and really just go with some very traditional announcement language using the words virtual or Zoom shower. Lizzie Post, how am I doing with invitation wording? 
I think this is great. I also, I don't know why I'm so excited by the idea of a shower by mail. Maybe it's just because I'm looking for something different. And and I guess it would be kind of the old school version of a distanced shower, you know, when you couldn't all attend. But there was something about seeing Margaret's number one, a shower by mail. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, I don't know why I like. it We still so love much. letters. We still love packages <laughs> in the mail. Well, and I, yeah, and it's it's not that I'm I'm zoomed out or anything, um, but I I did for some reason I got really excited by that idea. I was like, that's clever. Um, it's even different. I know we're all yeah. Well, it's because like we're all trying to find the way to connect in person in the moment, and there was something so very freeing. Maybe it's the lazy part of me, but um, but coming out and saying shower by. I would love to just send someone a gift and have him have them be, you know, stoked for it. And like, woohoo, we'll save on cray paper. Like, you know. <laughs> Lizzie Post, I think there might be more than a few listeners out there who agree with you and wouldn't mind missing those shower games that um, are so often part right. of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Um, no, I think I think that you've really mapped it out well. And with the Zoom shower, I wouldn't actually call it an announcement. I would call it an invitation. And I think you do you do want to structure that as an invitation. Um, and you can either say link to follow or, you know, so, something of the like, depending on how you're trying to structure your RSVPs or, or figure out how to organize this. But that would be just the one thing that I would change about what you have written here. But I'm with you. I, as best you can, put registry information on a separate card. I won't lie. I have seen plenty of shower invitations where it is included because it's a particular party for gifts where, you know, it's, it, it just, it does happen. I still think it's that one, it's, it's kind of like choosing to, to dress that one notch up, I think, when you separate it out. Lizzie, I I agree so much. When I was giving my answer, I I tried to be really careful to say, because you're thinking about that extra card, I think it's such a great idea. There are those exceptions for invitations, those particular instances where you might mention gifts or do a no gifts, please. But they are such exceptions that if you I, I was approaching it in exactly the same spirit is what I guess I'm trying to say that if you're feeling up for it, I think it's a great way to proceed. I think so, too. Margaret, we certainly hope this helps, and we hope that this shower is an absolute blast in your right this very unusual time. This question begins with a statement. I know who's more important. This question came in via DM on Instagram. It begins, This holiday, I will be in a situation where I'll need to introduce my current boyfriend to my ex-boyfriend. I know, all capitals, that I want to treat my current boyfriend as the more important person of the two. But I'm forgetting what that means in terms of wording. Do I speak to him first or to my ex first? Who is introduced to whom? Thank you, Anonymous. Anonymous, it's a it's a great question, and Dan and I have a lot of thoughts on it. Because in this particular circumstance where it's social and, and you're identifying that you want your current boyfriend to sort of be, quote unquote, the more important person to you in this particular scenario, then you would speak to him first. Uh, and so you might say something like, Jack, 
I'd like to introduce Sam to you or Jack, this is Sam. And that's sort of the structure for how you've identified that, that you want to put that importance in place. We are guessing that these two are probably peers. And so we're not in a case, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, where age is the identifying marker and it's like your grandmother to, you know, your your soccer teammate or something like that. Or mm-hmm. it's not a boss to a coworker, you know, junior weenie maybe. <laughs> like it's we're not getting those kind of identifiers. So it's it's more sort of free range you decide. <laughs> it is. The, the, and this is one of the things that's more difficult with social introductions generally yeah. is that what what are all these competing factors? How do you identify who is the important person for the purpose of the introduction? Would anybody even know in your introduction that you had labeled them the more important person, <laughs> you know? And, and in that sort of uh, gray area, oftentimes people fail to make introductions. And that's the biggest mistake that you can make. The yeah. The error is that this person doesn't know that person's name. This person doesn't know that person's name. And somebody <laughs> feels left out or excluded or not introduced. Yeah. So kudos for thinking about it and and – Lizzie was absolutely correct in that in terms of wording, the way that you identify importance in a situation is that the person that you address first has that honor. So you begin the introduction talking to that person who's more important. And I I, I can't remember exactly which names you use, Lizzie, but they're invented. So (laughs) we're going to assume that you chose the right name for that that right important person. Jack to the boyfriend and, and Sam as the former former boyfriend. Yes. But here's where I just want to I, I want to complicate matters. <laughs> and let's do it. This is a fun conversation. <laughs> I, I, I want to separate the idea of who's most important to you and who's most important in the introduction. And the the way that I want to start to tease those things apart is by thinking about a, a, a an example that's personal for me introducing Pooja, my wife. And there is no question that she is the most important person to me in most situations. Um, I feel like that's Dan setting himself up just in case Pooj listens. (laughs) So important. (laughs) Most important person. (laughs) Nearly impossible to describe the level of importance. (laughs) And when I'm thinking about introductions, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm oftentimes thinking about uh, a hierarchy that says who's the guest, the visitor, or the outsider – who has the the social status? If it's not organizational hierarchy, maybe it's um, age. The way the way Lizzie mentioned. But if someone comes to visit us at our house, or if I'm walking with Pooj and talking with her, or even if we're casually chatting at a social function and someone else approaches us, we're together. We're so close. She's so important to me that there is an outsider, someone who's actually got a little more distance from me, who's coming in and their status as an outsider or a guest for the purposes of the introduction makes them the most important person. So the closeness that Pooja and I have actually becomes the thing that says it's important that we together acknowledge the outsider-ness of this other person, if that makes any sense. <laughs> In other words, what you're saying is we're so close. We are one. And I shouldn't treat the outside person as the the the, the outsider truly like because they, they are they are outside of our relationship. 
um, and we are welcoming them into our space and conversation in this moment. Um, it's it's almost like you're you're treating her really kind of in a group with you as opposed to to being an individual. And I'm not saying you're taking away her individuality, but just the way you're thinking about it is like we're we're together. We're we're in a group. Lizzie, I know that's two <laughs> steps back to get one step forward, but what do you think? It's a, it's a one of the things I really like about the show. This conversation is it gets you thinking, and this makes me think that you know we often keep it as simple as possible with things like greetings and introductions. I mean, we've got like our five points for the good handshake, you know what I mean? Um, but this is the kind of work that we hope to do that hopes to expand the idea of etiquette to more scenarios. Uh, because I think it's not always easy to tell. I can totally understand the situ- the situation that you're you're talking about, and I could also see a version of it where someone else could look at that person coming in, like you're spending time with Pooja, and not that I want to put a negative tone on the person coming in, but that they are an interruption to that time, and so you would want to give deference to Pooja and the interruption that you're asking to make on your time by introducing the other person and having a chat with them for a bit. This all sounds really super formal when typically what would be happening is Dan and Pooja would be walking down the street. Let's say I'm walking the other way and I'd wave and they'd wave or like, or Dan would wave at me. And if I didn't know Pooja yet, he'd be like, Oh my gosh, I've got to introduce you to my cousin Lizzie. Like you guys haven't met yet, you know? And it would just, it would have this ease and feeling that you wouldn't even notice who had been introduced to whom first to place any importance on it because there would be such a nice feeling of welcome and conversation to it that it kind of wouldn't matter. And I think I think that's something that I will be excited to to tease out and talk about in the in the 20th edition. <laughs> I think that's such an important reminder cuz that really it's that that spirit that is behind the introduction that's really going to give it life and be the thing that makes everybody feel respected, included, acknowledged. To go way back to the start of the question, the mistake that people make is they get nervous about executing and then they don't do yep. it at all. and or, or they do it in a stilted way where it doesn't feel like that natural exchange that you're talking about. We were just doing examples of cousins, but this example has an extra little twist to it, and that's that we're introducing a former partner. And I'm just so curious, Daniel Post-Sunning, what it's, it's been a while since I've had to introduce a former partner to any new partner, but I am just so curious as to your thoughts on do you identify within the introduction the past relationship? Do you give someone a quick nudge, listen, my ex is going to be here this is their name. I'll introduce you to them. Ding, ding, ding. Um, if you didn't know that your former uh, partner was going to be there, would you, would you, you know, give a quick like heads up? Or what if you didn't have time? Would you use it in the introduction? I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of awkward that could go on here. Tell me, how do we stop from squirming? Um, the first thing I always have to say whenever there's a relationship question is that it's important that you honor whatever agreements have been negotiated within the relationship. That Because everyone sat around and like, you know, <laughs> listed these out, right? And we all have our love languages. We've talked about this on the show. And I think that it's true that within relationships, people reach all kinds of accords, some yeah. concretely stated some not so explicitly stated, but uh, <laughs> but as concretely understood that, uh, you know, this is the exchange. This is the deal. And in general, uh, 
relationships, one thing might apply, but within our relationship. So I, I really like to tell people to honor the coherence that develops within relationships and to the agree to honor the agreements that are made within relationships. And if you haven't made those agreements yet, use this episode as a kickoff point to say, hey, honey, when we run into my exes, would you like me to identify them ahead of time? <laughs> if <know>? possible. <laughs> the one thing I would say from an etiquette perspective is I wouldn't identify relationship status as part of an introduction unless mm. everybody was very comfortable and knew each other very well. And that's probably not going to be the case when you're making an introduction. So I would stay away from relationship status around those initial exchanges as, as thinking of them as part of that. But I so do don't think, say this is my ex Sam or this is my current lover. Like uh, no, or not my the former, way we go. Or my, even the even the polite language. I would just stay away from that designation. This is your replacement. But I do no. think there's a real courtesy to letting someone yeah. know if you can ahead of time. Oh, Pooch, one of my ex girlfriends is here. I really like we have a great relationship. I want to introduce you <laughs> um, or just wanted to give you a heads up, wanted to give you a heads up. I think that is a really fair, reasonable thing to to alert someone to if it's not going to totally throw them off their game. Again, you got to know your partner, your partner. And, and how things yeah. work. Um, for some people, it might mean that if you don't have a chance to do that, if you get surprised that you mention it afterwards, that you let them know. So they've got some sense of the context that other people had during that encounter yeah it's also there is no rule of etiquette that says you have to reveal these things either Um, this is true too (laughs) people's past is their past and people get to make decisions about what they share about their romantic lives also so outside of the um internal agreements that i encourage you to honor i think it is also true that your private life is your private life and you get to make some choices about that Anani Mouse, thank you so much for letting us dive into what was a very short question that led to quite a lot of thoughts. It all starts with knowing whether you're going or not, and with whom. It helps if the boy is early with the invitation. That way the girl feels she's his first choice. And naturally it's only fair that the girl accept or reject as soon as possible. Thank you so much for your questions. Please keep them coming. They keep the show going. Send us updates and feedback as well on our answers to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we're hearing from Erica about episode 323. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for such a great podcast. It is somehow stimulating and relaxing at the same time. What an accomplishment. Thank you. That is a really nice compliment. I have feedback for episode number 323, in which a friend threatens to no longer spend time with their friends because their kids are monopolizing their time. 
this person sounds great for spending that time and effort with these kids, but they have lost focus on their own responsibility within the social situation. It is completely their responsibility to extricate themselves politely. If that becomes difficult, I don't see why they couldn't ask the parents in a friendly way, especially if they have a close relationship. As a parent, if I see my adult friends interacting with my children, then I mostly assume it's for their own pleasure. The forced babysitting could only happen if the children were too young and needed care, but this doesn't seem like the case. If you don't want to play a game, politely decline. If you don't want to get sucked into kid conversation, wrap it up in a friendly way and move on. In my mind, it's exactly like a relationship with another adult whom you may or may not want to interact with. In the words of Emily Post, and a previous episode, children are people too, not weird aliens. Thanks again, <laughs> Erica from California. Erica, you're so right. And and it's definitely good added in- encouragement. I think a lot of people do get nervous when it comes to other people's kids and they, they worry about saying no or turning people down. So it's, it's good to give the extra encouragement of, hey, you're there to be an adult at a social party. Like, go be the adult. It's okay. <laughs> and Erica, thank you so much for reflecting back to us Emily Post's words. Children are people too. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And this week, we're going to stick with our theme of repose and relaxation. <laughs> We are diving into the 1922 edition of Etiquette to hear about Emily's take on the afternoon tea. This can be found on page 171 of the 1922 edition or the replica edition. The Everyday Afternoon Tea Table The Everyday Afternoon Tea Table is familiar to everyone. There is not the slightest difference in its service, whether in the tiny bandbox house of the newest bride or in the drawing room of Mrs. Worldly of Great Estates, except that in the little house, the tray is brought in by a woman, often a picture in appearance and appointment, instead of by a butler with one or two footmen in his wake. In either case, a table is placed in front of the hostess. A tea table is usually of the drop-leaf variety because it is more easily moved than a solid one. There are really no correct, in quotes, dimensions any small table is suitable. It ought not to be so high that the hostess seems submerged behind it, nor so small as to be overhung by the tea tray and easily knocked over. It is usually between 24 and 26 inches wide and from 27 to 36 inches long, or it may be oval or oblong. A double-decked table that has its second deck above the main table is not good because the tea tray perched on the upper deck is neither graceful nor convenient. In proper serving, not only of tea but of cold drinks of all sorts, even where a quantity of bottles Pitchers and glasses need space. Everything should be brought on a tray and not trundled in on a tea wagon. A cloth must always be first placed on the table before putting down the tray. The tea cloth may be a yard, a yard and a half, or two yards square. 
It may barely cover the table, or it may hang half a yard over each edge. A yard and a quarter is the average size. A tea cloth can be colored, but the conventional one is of white linen with little or much white needlework or lace or both. On this is put a tray big enough to hold everything except the plates of food. The tray may be a massive silver one that requires a footman with strong arms to lift it, or it may be of Sheffield or merely of effective lacquered tin. In any case, on it should be a kettle, which ought to be already boiling, with a spirit lamp under it, an empty teapot, a caddy of tea, a tea strainer and slop bowl, cream pitcher and sugar bowl, and on a glass dish, lemon in slices. A pile of cups and saucers and a stack of little tea plates all to match with a napkin about 12 inches square, hem-stitched or edged to match the tea cloth, folded on each of the plates, like the filling of a layer cake, complete the paraphernalia. Each plate is lifted off with its own napkin, then on the tea table, back of the tray, or on the shelves of a separate curate, a stand made of three small shelves, each just big enough for one good-sized plate are always two, usually three, varieties of cake and hot breads. Oh my goodness, someone please set me up with that now. <laughs> this sounds exactly like tea at the plaza. It's just awesome, yeah. Doesn't it? Oh my goodness. It does, and it's. I get such a kick out of it. You know, people would write to us and talk about Emily going on and on about napkin folding or this or that or the zigzag when you're eating different different dining styles, and this is just a classic example of, of where she decides to get detailed with, you know, the, the inch descriptions and the, the you know, perfectly hem-stitched edges on things. It might match your tea towel. I just love it all. And the, the, the and just tables. The, the, the foolishness of a double-decker table. Foolishness. Ridic- Oh, and you must not be submerged behind a table. But it's just, I, I love I love the depiction of all of it, the detail that she throws into it. And what I also really love about this is that while you hear us on the show always talk about how Emily's work, even when it described uh, really fancy and formal situations, was often talking to the everyman, but this is a place where you really hear her do it in the earliest text. Mrs. Three and One, remember, did not become a character in Emily's book in the very first edition. She was someone Emily had to invent because she hadn't given enough space to those of us who are cook, host, and and maid all in one. And so it was really it's really cool to see her in this early edition, pre-Mrs. Three and One saying you know, a tea is going to be just it as gorgeous. Matter. Yes, thank you. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you have the, the basics big house. Yeah, remain the same. The re- remain constant. And she continues through. She doesn't just do it in the description of the host or hostess. She does it in the description of the tea tray. It might be, you know, just picturing that silver bladder that needs a strong-armed person to carry it. Um, is is it cracks me up when I think of it because just that just doesn't happen around our everyday lives anymore. You know, but that little tin tray, or when I think about the tray that I have um, on my wall as a decorative piece, but I use it often as a tea tray if I have tea with a friend for an afternoon, you know, it, it makes it accessible to me and relatable. And I thought that was really cool. 
Well, from someone who at one point in his life used to collect tea services from around the world, I didn't get very far. Don't worry. <laughs> um, this was really a delight, because thank you for sharing that with us. I do think I might like a little spot of tea. Shall we? We shall. Barbara knows the girls are fearful because they have never attended a tea before. Actually, there is nothing to be afraid of. But Anne thinks a tea could not be as much fun as any kind of game. Corrine is bored, very bored. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Sandra. Hi, I hope you can hear me. This is Sandra calling from Minnesota. I just wanted to leave an, a shout-out to one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Judy was our neighbor when we lived in Ohio, and she was like a third mom to me. And when my own mother passed away and we were cleaning things up, I found a note that Judy had written to my mom after mom and dad had visited us in Ohio. And when you say that words matter, this was so comforting because my mom wasn't jealous of the relationship I had with Judy. She loved that I had a one, another wonderful woman in my life, and Judy was so kind to write to my mom and tell her how fun it was to, when they visited. And So I'm sorry I'm blubbering, um, but I'm just thankful and wanted to send that shout-out. So have a great day. Just finished listening to another awesome episode. Appreciate you guys and love the podcast. Bye. Sandra, thank you so much. That was such a lovely salute and, and just what a wonderful relationship to get a chance to hear about. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers. And don't forget, you can share it on social media, too. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette you can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on spotify or your favorite podcast app and please consider leaving us a review it helps with our show ranking which helps new people find awesome etiquette our show is edited by chris albertine and assistant produced by bridget dowd thanks, thanks chris, chris and, and bridget, bridget.